myself. I should unmute myself and then welcome everybody in to the Monday Rewind. What's going on? It is Monday. It's going to be it's going to be some different vibes this week. It's going to be some different vibes this week on the Monday Rewind than what we had last week after the Browns in horrifying fashion. It was a horror show at First Energy Stadium yesterday. Blow a lead in the last two minutes to New York Jets. Browns fall to one and one. We got the round table on here to discuss. We've got a lot of great topics, some good videos, some things I really, really want to get to. And so if you're joining us live here tonight, make sure you get in the comments, whether you're joining us on YouTube or on Twitch, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you are logged into everything because uh, these guys here at, uh, at the OBR, best Browns coverage you're going to get, even when we're all not in such a good mood, like tonight. Like tonight, when we're not in such a good mood. I got a great panel joining me on the Monday Rewind here to talk about this fiasco. First, he's the legend. He was down there covering the game yesterday. I saw him. I saw you in the tunnel, Fred, but I was in like the little club yesterday, in the, like right where the locker room comes out. And it's all glass, and I thought you probably didn't want me chanting your name, but maybe I should have. But it's it's Fred Greetham. What's going on, Fred? Hey, it's I've been here, been there, done that. I'm kind of callous to this kind of stuff. I said on another pregame show yesterday, I might even said it on ours too, but I, you know, when it was pretty much assumed to be a an easier win, I said, I've seen some things though. And I was specifically referring to Dwayne Rudd on the last play of the game. I was standing in the Kansas City Chiefs radio. I was doing the stats for Lenny Dawson and whoever the play-by-play is, and they were – and I said, there's a flag. There's a penalty. Yep. And then we know what happened there. And also the Chicago Bears, very similar collapse last – in fact, I think I got reverence 2029 games since that happened. The Browns were the last one. So (laughs) I've seen my stuff, and I – once I think I've seen everything, you know, you you tear it up and you see it. I had to tear up my whole story. I was done basically oh. yesterday. And yeah, then you start from scratch. Who can think this stuff up? So Fred's over there feeding, feeling hardened and calloused. I'm a little softer. Normally, my wife was like, are you taking a beer down there? We had Italian for dinner. And we had wine with our Italian. I said, the wine goes with the mood tonight. The wine goes with the mood. If I start crying, you're going to get my sensitive side. You're going to get my sensitive side tonight. So we got Fred that's going to jump in on things. Uh, we got Cody Sook. Cody, feeling feeling super good over there today? Oh, I've never been better, really. I mean, <laughs> you with that wine, just be careful. Don't be putting on any jewel or any in you. You never know what's going to take you, you know. You might hey. push you over the limit, and then, you know, one bottle of wine becomes three, and that leads to a whole other slew of problems, you know. Yeah, not a lot good to talk about, sleep, Cody. It leads like to a great night's night sleep. sleep. Great night's sleep. <laughs> I got kids. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not a lot to talk about with the Browns. Nothing really happened yesterday. Just your just your normal stuff that we've all been through for at least thirty years across the border. Some some of us more. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, the the second I think I'm feeling better about it throughout the day. I see another film clip or I see another statistic or I see just a random video or, or something going on. And that brings me right back to yesterday around four 30 and yeah. brings all that joyous Sunday afternoon back. But, uh, but for better or worse, we had a short week, you know, so we got the Steelers coming up on Thursday. Um, on a very short week. So that could be a blessing or it could be a, a curse. We'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, well, we'll find out. We'll talk a little bit about that right towards the end of this. Uh, but lastly on the panel, uh, it's the graph man himself. Uh, we're going to get some numbers with him about halfway through, but it's Anthony Reinhardt. Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing okay today. Are you um, tense? Are you tense? I'm, I'm very tense. Um, Mike is, is probably alluding to the fact that my wife is about to go into labor with our first child any hour, day, minute. And he's second. here. But I'm here. Listen, if she goes to the hospital during the show, just finish the show. You can meet her over there. It'll be fine. I, uh, I'll take you guys on the road with me. Well, tell, her, <laughs> yeah. tell her to start walking and you'll pick her up on the way. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It walk the baby out. That's what they see. Know, one of the things they tell you to try. Listen, it's don't all say science. That too loud. This is all proven science medical stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because if anybody knows anything about us here at the OBR, medical doctors is what we are. MDs. Chat username in the comments, our buddy chat. Congrats, uh, obviously, huge congrats to you, Anthony. It's a life changer. It's a game changer. 
Uh, the other three of us all know that here on the show. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, <laughs> we are very much not medical doctors. That's true. Uh, uh, we've all had our lives change. You're about to have yours change in the best possible way. So, so congrats. Now let's, now let's get into the worst possible stuff that we can talk about. And that is what happened, uh, on the shores of Lake Erie yesterday, the Cleveland Browns lose just a, a kick in the groin to the New York Jets. How much can you guys separate? We got a lot of stuff to talk about, but I just want to talk about overall feelings because we, you know, even on my show on Garage Beers, we we did the schedule game. We're all picking games we think the Browns are going to win and lose. We're picking games that we think for sure they're going to win. Everybody picks the Jets. Yeah, of course they're going to beat the Jets. And there's games coming down the line where we pick for sure. We think that, you know, just throw the Chargers in there. I think everybody has the Chargers smoking the Browns because they're probably right. But there's always games in these seasons. Fred, you've been around. You've been doing this for a long time with the Browns. There's always games that you think they're going to win that they blow, and there's always games you think they're going to lose that they find a way to win, and that's pretty much any football team, isn't it? You know, it's. I was thinking this today. It's the NFL's dream. They want the parity. You know, everybody eight and eight or eight and nine or nine and eight. If you got a good team or a good roster, I hate that. I like I like college football when you know you're going to win. Is it going to be 35 to nothing or 60 to nothing? That's the only thing in question. And it's never that way in the NFL. I mean, the Browns, I that's why I said that. You you just always think you can never count a game. And I, I was referencing, they opened the season 2007 against the Steelers and Charlie Fry started. They got smoked 34 to seven. In fact, they bench fry at halftime after he won the job after all of preseason and training camp. He got one half. They traded him on Monday. Yes. <laughs> Derek Anderson, the next Sunday, 51 to 45 over yeah. the Bengals. Everybody forgot about that. They went on to 10 and six. They didn't make the playoffs, but that's, that's what they have in front of them Thursday night. Believe it or not, you go out and play a good game and beat the Steelers, it'll still sting when you look back at the game, you know, and the schedule and the standings, but that's how quickly it goes away. Then again, if you lose this game, then it's just going to compound. Oh. But when, you, when you're playing the schedule game and, and especially looking in the wake of 11-game suspension with Watson, we're all kind of assuming that once they get to pass that, then they can turn it on. But that wasn't the problem yesterday. The quarterback was lights out, in my opinion. Yeah. It was the defense and the special teams, the two areas you thought you had a rock solid that cost you that game, and they played so badly. And so, so that's, that's the thing with it is that how can one game you play like that against a poor team, and then the next time you light it up and it's like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, listen, uh, Cody, How I, it was a surreal – I was down at the stadium. It was surreal. You, it wasn't even like – it wasn't even – everybody just kind of packed up and left. Like, once it was over, everybody just kind of left. It wasn't even – it wasn't even like noisy. It was, people weren't like yelling. Or, everybody was just like, well, here we go again. Uh, but wasn't there about 40,000 there by the end of the game because they all thought it was over and they were what? rushing to the exit, what I saw? But but just I mean is that just a sign of us? It's like it's like an abused dog almost. Just we just tuck our tail and go to the car. Uh, first off, I want to say I like seeing Fred get fired up a little bit. I, I like seeing that. It's gonna be pumped up and a little bit angry, you know. But uh, but 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 really, it's we we've seen it so many times. And I want to, I want to touch on something too that the Browns are not alone in this feeling right now. The entire no. AFC North has gone through a ten week season in two weeks. It feels like. Yeah, the Steelers are sitting at one and one. The Super Bowl uh, team, Cincinnati Bengals, are zero and two, and they look horrific right Trash. now on offense. It's early. I mean, we saw what the Packers could do. It's early, but whatever. Uh, and the Ravens, they're they're up they're up here still. They lost that game, but they're up here still. And then you have the other three teams, but still, you win Thursday, just like Fred was saying. Okay, we're back. You know, atop the division through three weeks at two and one. Yeah, everybody wanted to be three and zero, but it, it's a huge game on Thursday. I'm not going to say must win, but it's a huge game on Thursday. And that game at the end, 
I think it's just everybody's been there so many times at this point that the team just finds a way to lose. They were sitting there with a 99% win probability with a minute and a half left in the game. Um, or ESPN has stats, something like 2,500 teams have been in that exact same situation and won every single game at that with that score, <laughs> that differential Great. At, at that time left in the game. Man, it's Thank you very in, much. Only in Cleveland type thing. But like, just like Fred said, you win on Thursday. It's all right. Everything's okay. Head in the right direction and, and then go from there. Boys, that's going to take us to our next topic. I'm really excited for this. And I, and I do want to get all of our opinions on the next topic. Anthony, we'll start with yours. But we got a little bit of a long video to intro this next topic. Miles Garrett had some thoughts about the fans after this one. And I, I want to hear our takes on that. Go ahead and roll that. Oh. It, I mean, the more disappointing thing was the booing at the end. It was a, no, not the most optimal ending that we'd want. You know, we, of course, we'd want to win. Of course, we want to play out the game and, you know, it end 30-16 or 30-17, whatever it was. You know, we get a, uh, a pick or a strip sack and end the game, but that's not always how it goes. You know, these guys are still putting their asses on the line and playing as hard as they can, and they should be respected as such. It's, it's two games. And you know, we have plenty more games to play, especially this next one coming up in front of the, you know, the home crowd. And you know, we have a lot of time to correct what we're doing. So I don't, we don't want to see uh, this this crowd, this uh, this stadium give up on us you know, this early. We want to see them you know, completely behind us. And you know, it's disappointing for everybody, but it's absolutely disappointing for, for us as a team, just knowing that you know, we had them you know, with the with our foot on their throat and we didn't finish them. And that's completely on us. And you no, know, we, we learned from this and we correct it and come back stronger. Anthony, when you hear him say the most disappointing, the most disappointing thing is the fans booing them after the game. What's your thought there? What's your thought process? I'm, I'm hoping that wasn't the most disappointing thing for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like it probably wasn't. And he was just, you know, using hyperbole, but um, you know, I'm not somebody who, who boos, um, but I get why people would in that situation. Like I, I can't, I can't blame people for being disappointed in that performance. Um, I, you know, I get, I get that Miles cares a lot about his his uh, fifty two other teammates, and and you know wants to see them treated with respect. I think he's got to say that as a leader to, you know, continue to have integrity in the locker room. But um, you know, I get why people boo. It makes sense. It was, it was totally worthy of that. Uh, even if I would not be a person who would who would typically do that kind of thing, Cody, you think that's just an emotional response after the game, and he would he hadn't quite thought it out yet. Yeah, I, losing brings everything to the front, right? You start to question a lot of things. You question the defense and, and our schemes, right? Or are we doing this correctly? You, you question why a special team is flustered, and then and then you you don't question the offense yesterday because they perform perform so well. But like, at that point yesterday, that's why kind of the post game conference is kind of steer me the wrong way sometimes because when you win everybody's elated and you have an over overreaction and when you lose everyone's pissed off and you have an overreaction to the, to the other side of the aisle um so it's just it's just one of those things where everybody's angry everybody's irritated they lost this game in the fashion they lost this game but it, i think joe batonio said it best today and i'm gonna i'm gonna quote from what uh carly i can't say her last name carly mesquiti carly mesquiti said that i've been here for nine years now i've been booed at least once every year as a team they spend the harder money and supporting the team. They were frustrated and disappointed, just like we were. And that's from Batonio, a quote from him today. Um, completely agree with that. That's kind of how I feel about it. Just disappointment across the board. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Uh, Fred, I mean, the fans were loud down there for a good most of that game. Like, it was rocking during several parts of that game. Those play place was going nuts. So it's... It, I feel like it's a little unfair to be like the fans didn't have our backs like these, like I feel like the fans can cheer when things are going well, but that's part of being a fan, isn't it? You make your voice heard. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we've seen that, you know, Derek Anderson, Tim couch all had their moments. Uh, more recently, Baker Mayfield, you know, cried. No week you know, one. When, when they won the game and complained about the fans, him getting booed. It's part of the deal. I don't know what else they're supposed to do to, to voice their frustration, give them a standing ovation. Like, Hey, this is great. We enjoyed, you know, seeing you overcome a 99.9%. .9%. I said this today is that 
the WWE couldn't have scripted this any better. Yeah. What everything had to, what the Browns had to do to overcome those odds to lose that game, to snatch the defeat out of the jaws of victory. I mean, it's just like, what are you kidding me? I mean, what miles I'm sitting right there and they want it both ways. I'm, I'm I get $125 million, you know, and I, I think he's a great player, but where is he in the fourth quarter? I mean, I saw a stat that he's one of the greatest pass rushers in two games through the first three quarters, but he's near the bottom in the fourth quarter. It's like he runs out of gas or he doesn't make the play to put the game away. I mean, Go go get a sack there on on Statue of Liberty Joe Flacco at the end of the game and finish it if if you couldn't get the onside kick and all well, these other things. That's the thing that frustrates me about these comments that come out from players, though, is that it, it you got it in the comments here tonight for our for our show. You got people that are like Miles, he doesn't belong here. You got him calling out his play. Listen, Miles Garrett's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I don't care what you want to say about. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. He's he's he is probably the best player on your team, uh, all in all. And, but when you come out with a comment like this, you divide the fans, and now you got people that want to go after the player that said it. It just makes you don't like good rule of thumb. Good rule of thumb. Just don't talk about the fans after a game. Just don't booze or cheers or whatever. Maybe cheers if they're going crazy and they really helped you win and you want to give them a shout out after the game. Cool, that's good. But like the booze. Maybe don't. Maybe maybe just leave that alone because that's what fans are there for, and they're going to get crazy about it. So I just thought they're the comments fickle. were interesting. Uh, all right, so on to the next topic as the clock is run down on that one. Guys, These uh, we got a video you're going to hear here, uh, but these busted coverages, man, we're going to have to talk about it. Let's roll the video first. How does somebody get that wide open at the end of the game on the 66-yard touchdown? Yeah, it's... Um, Obviously, guys, not on the same page. Um, it was very, very clear what we were doing. Uh, we talked about it on the sideline before everybody went out, talked to the entire defense about what they were about to do, which was try and throw it over our head. Um, and we can't let that happen. Um, you know, we got a young football team. And unfortunately, that youth at times is showing up here. Uh, and we have to grow up real fast. Cody, what in the hell? That's going on. What is going on out there? That might be the most angry I've seen him. I, like he, he keeps it together. He's always going to keep it together. That's how he is, how he coaches. But uh, you could see him choosing his words carefully and what he was saying. And he was fired up. Did you see this just in the way his body, body language was right there? And rightfully so. He's literally telling you, we had a discussion before we were on the, on the field. Here's what we have to do. Here's what we can't do. I mean, what else, what else can you ask for? You should know what you do. Don't let anybody behind you. Uh, John Costco has a quick uh, a statistic from the day that says the Browns have five coverage busts this year, allowing 201 yards and three touchdowns. Oh. Next closest team has allowed two for 79. So those we're not talking about a first and 10, a 25-yard gain on a first and 10 in the first quarter. These are game-losing, game-changing plays yeah. that are happening on that back end of the defense, and it's not an isolated incident based on that stat and all the way back to last year. Okay, we're going to cover six or we're going to cover two or we're going to cover three. There's always – it's a Spider-Man meme. We'll point at each other. Everybody's just pointing at each other. What are you doing? What am I doing? What are you doing? Everybody's out of place. And I just They're so good. Anthony has a quote he could probably share – that he could share here too, but just they're so good for 90% of the game. And then it's just all hell breaks loose for the other 10% and, and the game's over. But what? something has to improve. Something has to improve quick or players and coaches are going to lose their jobs. I watched, it comes down to. I watched the video of the busted coverage play in this game. It's not near. The video doesn't show nearly as bad as what it looked in person. The ball was underthrown. The ball was very much underthrown. If you look, Corey Davis had to dramatically slow down to catch the ball the way he did. If he's got one defender on him, that ball is broken up easily. easily. And there's still no one within 10 yards of him. Oh, no, not even close. It, yeah. But it, it was slow motion watching that play in person. It happened right in front of us. It was slow motion. The ball hung up. Corey Davis slows down, and you're just like, where is anybody? And he takes it for a touchdown. Come on, Anthony, you got to have some kind of crazy stat. you got to have something for that. I, I will save it for numbers with Anthony. Okay, um, fair, but fair. Here, 
I mean, here's what I will say. I think it, it is really hard to blame it all on on you know poor communication, or at least to to blame the poor communication on on um, infamiliarity, because it's like everybody who plays coverage snaps for the Browns, which is like nine guys in a typical game. All those guys except Emerson were here last year. Woods was here last year. I mean, if this stuff was happening in week one or two last year, I would excuse it. Um, I, I think it's. It is a lot harder to look past it now that they've been together for a full off season. I mean, they went through a lot of this last year and, you know, it feels like, you know, they put together such a strong secondary of individual parts and they seem like they're really not having a lot of moments where they click together. We got some of that toward the end of last season, but um, you know, remember early, early part of last season when they weren't playing a, you know, a, a sub NFL level quarterback or, or somebody who was too young to play. They look pretty bad. They would get they would get shredded a lot of times early last year. Um, so it's it, it's disheartening to see them not be able to put it together with the kind of experience they have together now, especially when you have miscommunications. Fred, it's it's like a after the past few years, I don't know if you can. It's it's like an epidemic. It's an epidemic. Like have you ever, Fred, in covering this team, you ever seen anything like this? Where now it's been two years in a row where they just go through these stretches where they just let guys go, just go, run, go down the field. I can't remember ever seeing this before. Well, and it's, you know, three years with Joe Woods. And I I know it last year, the first six, seven games, they were like track meets on defense. Do you think of that Chargers game? Mike Williams is running free like the whole game, give up 47 points. But then the second half of the season, they, you know, it seemed like they had it together and they started really playing well. And they talked about picking up where they left off because they had the whole starting secondary back. They had nine of the 11, just the two defensive tackles and some more depth. And I don't know. I don't know if they're just caught up in their press clippings or what, but I will say this and I don't begrudge Denzel Ward getting a hundred million, but if you're a hundred million player, why don't you just stay with Corey Davis you know, all the way down the field from my vantage, I'm watching him running stride for stride with him. And then he just stopped like the whistle blew. And evidently that's when he's assuming somebody's taken over for him. But I think there was nobody else in that area. Just stay with him. You know, don't just say, well, it's not my job. I'll let him get a touchdown. You know, I don't, I don't understand this stuff. They spend 18 hours a day in Berea. What are they talking about? What are they looking at? How did, how do you, I mean, a junior high football team would know in that situation to have a guy 50 yards downfield, this double safety of the safety valve, you know, in that situation. And like Greg Williams, everybody made fun of him to put Jabril Peppers 30 yards off the line. (laughs) We could use it now. Yesterday. Yeah. You know. Listen, it's it's an incredible thing that they've got going on. Uh, But we're going to switch over. We're going to stick on the defense. We're going to hear. we're going to hear from Denzel, and I want to hear your takes on Denzel. But before we do that, this is not just – it's not just busted coverages, and you brought it up. It was a very vanilla-feeling defense. Joe Flacco got hit hard a couple of times. You had the strip sack from Clowney. Uh, Miles Garrett got him once pretty good. Otherwise, though, it was soft coverage. It was soft zone. It was – and it was very little pressure, very little blitz schemes out there. And it was just Joe Flacco sitting back there picking the Browns apart on like 10 yard passes. And he did it all game long. And you see it like in our, in our comments, uh, I know it's ZZ uncle John ZZ, but I'm going to call you uncle John uh, defense was horrible. The, the jets were just playing pitch and catch. You're right. You're right. Super surge in the comments. I did not have Brown secondary costing us games on my bingo board for this season, but they are, it is just one mistake after the next, uh, uh, Anthony, man, uh, is it? What are your thoughts on the play calling defensively through week two? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. I definitely picked up on not a lot of blitzes. I think the Browns might have blitzed less than twenty percent of the plays, which is which is below the league average. But um, you know, one of my thoughts coming into this game was that they had a nice advantage. The Browns, you know, defensive ends with Clowney and and Garrett against the Jets tackles, where you know the Jets are they're down at least one plus tackle. Um, so I kind of felt like they'd be able to create a lot of pressure just with, you know, without bringing extra rushers, um, but didn't see a ton of that. They had a, they had an okay game really in terms of putting pressure on Flacco, but Flacco played very well under pressure too, um, which I, 
I did not expect either. I think they they caught some bad ends of some variants a little bit in, in the mid part of the game, but uh, you know, obviously the end, it would have been nice to see a lot more pressure on Flacco on those game winning drives. So that brings up my next question, Cody. We've heard it from Joe Woods a lot. We've heard it from this scheme a lot. This should be a talented edge rush on the defensive line, but we also have concerns about the interior of the defensive line. Is there too much credence given to, oh, this defensive line should be able to just create havoc in the backfield, so we're going to drop the rest of our guys back? And are we allowing quarterbacks to get a little too comfortable? Should there be a more exotic blitz package in as a part of this Browns game plan, especially when you're playing old man Literally the second oldest man alive from Delaware at this point, Joe Flacco. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, the, the Joe Woods thing has always been, let's, let's use four pass rushers, Garrett, Clowney, and, and then your interior and go with that. That's what we're going to do. Just like Anthony said, there's hardly ever any type of blitz, let alone an exotic blitz. You don't see JOK coming in. You don't see Walker coming in. You don't see Delpit. Quarterback blitzes, you just don't see it. It doesn't happen. They're going to sit back and cover four which is predicated on limiting and explosive plays. You got four deep zones with two safeties and two corners covering a quarter of the field. That's your job. You want to stop explosive plays, but they're giving up a couple every game that just changed this game. So you, you got to change something. And it can't just run the same def- – you have your same base every week, of course. But tailor it a little bit to your opponent. Flacco yesterday, bring some blitzes, get more in man coverage. I know they have three pretty solid receivers – the Browns have a lot of individually talented defensive backs. So adjust a little bit, be intelligently aggressive. Don't just go balls to the wall and just be sitting everybody and playing cover zero the whole game, but get a little bit more in man coverage, a little bit more press on the outside and get a little fire under your butts in the back. Come on. It's enough's enough. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sitting there watching that and they're just, I get it. I get that. You want to get pressure with those guys. You weren't, you were sometimes, but you weren't getting to Joe Flacco a lot. And he just sat back there. Man, Fred, going into this game, if somebody would have told you Joe Flacco was just going to pick you apart. And they and there was a stat that came out that said on a couple of his drop passes that that hit his receivers in the hands and stuff, he was supposed to, he was like on target to throw for like, I don't know, it was like 370 yards and like even another touchdown. Like it, it just was, it looked easy out there, didn't it? Well, it did, and it's very frustrating. You know, we we talked to Joe Woods on Thursdays, and the majority of the questions are about being – and he talks about one, he's aggressive. They want to be aggressive and make his calls. And and I thought they were more, he was more aggressive against Baker Mayfield than he was against Joe Flacco. And I was – I don't understand. The, last year I saw success with Troy Hill coming from the corner and getting yes. sacks and Delpit and JOK and – this seemed to be a tailor-made with young linemen that were backups, you know, hitting them from every angle, and they were just content to let them play pitch and catch, especially on that final drive. That was the most excruciating drive. Giving up everything, you just let them go five yards, ten yards, and it's one thing in the middle of the field, let them run the clock out, but you're letting them catch it and run out of bounds. Catch it, run out of bounds. How about sending somebody all go and get a sack and end the game? You know, it was just like, it was frustrating. It was dying a slow death. You just watched it. And and I don't get Joe. I like Joe Woods, but, but he says one thing and I'm not seeing it, you know, in the game, you know, yeah. if you got corners, you think are elite that can shut down those guys, then, then, then go after the quarterback and make him throw it as quick as he can, you know, so he doesn't have time to pick you apart. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was crazy to watch. And you brought it up before Fred. And so I do want to hear the thoughts of this player. You've got, you've got the hundred million dollar quarterback Denzel Ward who, well, he's got some things. Let's listen to what he had to say and then we'll discuss. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Denzel, I saw your tweet about only being targeted one time. Was, was there something you could have done to help on that 66 yarder? (laughs) Um, yeah, it wasn't my coverage or whatever. I mean, like I said, we could have got, if we would have all been on the same page, then I think things would have got cleared up. But I mean, if, if there's someone you want to blame, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take full blame and uh, for that play or for whatever plays that, that we had. But I think the biggest thing is we all just need to get on the same page. But uh, yeah, relating to my tweet, uh, yeah, that, 
that necessarily wasn't my coverage and I wasn't I wasn't there to make a play on it. So you weren't there to make a play, Denzel. And in your tweet, you said you only got targeted one time, but there's more game film that maybe says otherwise. Denzel was targeted. Cody, I think you're the one that shared the stat. What, what was the stat that you shared about his targets and 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 his perfect passer rating against? Yes, it's it's tough because we've we've all been through this with PFS, specifically with coverages that sometimes it's not as accurate as it should be. That's not me bashing PFF. This is extremely tough to figure out certain things. But according to PFF, he allowed four receptions on four targets, 106 yards, two touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating. But we talked about this this morning in Slack with Jake and a little bit with John Stephenson, who's another one of the film experts. And the idea we that the idea I think was that they were in cover six, which cover four to one side, cover two to the other side, cover two on Denzel's side. He has the flat Delpit has over top, which if that's what they were in, then that isn't Denzel's award's responsibility. I know PFF uh, dinged him with, with that touchdown, the 66-yard touchdown to Corey Davis. So we'll have to see a little bit more from Jake and John what, what coverage they were in to see whose responsibility it was. But as of right now, uh, his data is not great for PFF. He had a 35.8 coverage grade yesterday. So uh, that's, that's what they are saying. We, we don't necessarily agree at this point. Anthony, at the risk of sounding so simple, so simple, is there something to be said for being late in a game, having one of the most talented defensive backfield rooms in the league and saying, listen, we're just going to man up so we don't lose anybody in a deep zone? Like, is there something to be said for that? Because it happens to this team so much that you just feel like you've got the guys, you've got uh, Greg Newsom, and you've got Denzel Ward. Just, hey, you guys go man up. We'll put safety help over the top. If they, if they decide down two scores at the time, if they decide to dink and dunk their way down the field because we're doing that, so be it. But we can't give up a bomb. Like, are, are, we, are, they, are they too smart for their own good sometimes? I think that it, it is, I kind of question, I mean, it's always easier to question these things after the fact because we know that after Corey Davis caught that touchdown, they got an onside kick, and then they scored on the next drive. So it's, it's a lot easier to, to, to ask these questions since we know it really did matter. Right. Um, but, but I, I, I do hear where you're coming from, Mike. It's like, and I think the big thing for me is like, maybe don't leave it in Delpit's hands. I think that we can all agree that, that Ward is probably your strongest guy in the secondary. You want it to be up to him. Um, you know, who, who's got the deepest guy, right. Um, you know, so I, I feel like he's if him trusting Delpit makes me nervous just because I felt like Delpit didn't have a particularly strong game no. throughout. Um, so, and I, you know, I can't speak for Ward as much as it doesn't kind of show up on the TV angles where I, where I can see it during the game, but I wouldn't have felt as confident, um, Delpa being trusted to have that deep half as opposed to, to Ward maybe being on the deep fourth with him. But Fred, we, we, we did this last year and actually going into the year last year from the year before Joe Woods was criticized about soft zone coverages. And you've got this incredibly talented group of guys that you're putting in these soft zones and it, and it seems to debilitate their their abilities a little bit uh is there something like it feels like we're back in it It feels like last year he acknowledged it even before the season he said we have to be more aggressive with our defensive backfield and our play calling there and they were and yes you saw some problems early in the year but they got it squared away as the year went on do you expect to see that again is this like a brain fart for joe woods well it's that's what's so like i said it's so frustrating to watch because you watch them in practice. I'm expecting John Johnson to make more plays, Delpa to make plays, um, JOK. I'm, I was expecting him to be all over the field. Last year, I get it. They were they didn't trust him totally because he was learning the defense, but I expected him to just come flying all over the place, and I hardly hear his name called. And it just I just not getting it, especially when you play a team that they were – being criticized for his bad their deep their offensive line was you know playing their third string guy and and yet you saw really very few defensive plays you had the one from Garrett and the one from Clowney earlier in the game and that's it when the game's on the line that's where those guys need to make that play the the blitz or the interception or the game changing play and I'm just not seeing them I'm seeing it more the game changing the other way 
All right, now it's time for us to get into our, our favorite weekly segment with our graph guru himself, the soon-to-be dad over there. Graph dad, we can call him. I'm into that. Uh, we got numbers with Anthony. So Anthony's come up with uh, a couple numbers, uh, things for us to discuss from this last game, and, uh, and then we'll throw it around the horn. Anthony, over to you, man. Yeah, so, so one of the things that, that I talked about last year a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Ian made this graph special for you or I, poached it from the internet special. For I you. love it. I, I think that this is uh, this is pretty accurate of how a lot of Browns fans are feeling. Um, so so last year, one of the big concerns I had early in the season was um, that we saw a lot of struggles for the Browns on like money downs, third downs, fourth downs, where they needed to make stops. Obviously, we saw a lot of that yesterday too. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's this this gap between. The Browns defense is playing really well on, on the downs that are less important. And then they're either giving up big plays or they're allowing third and fourth down conversions. So um, last year, the Browns were sixth in uh, successful play rate, which is just like they, they were, they were sixth best at keeping the offense basically off track to get another first down to continue driving down the field. But they were 18th in EPA per play, which is kind of the, the catch all, uh, defensive efficiency stat that we want to look at. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, bordering on elite in terms of stopping teams from staying on track, but when it came to overall efficiency, middle of the pack. Uh, this year, sixth again in the, through, through two games with that, with two more still to play, one being played right now. Um, so sixth right now in uh, defensive success rate. So still stopping teams from staying on track, but 28th in EPA per play. Cool. So when, when teams are getting in situations where they need a big play, um, you know, third downs, fourth downs that matter. I want to say they were what, like seven for 11, the jets were on converting third downs yesterday. Um, also had some big plays. We saw a lot of that in the Panthers game too, where it was like, you know, the defense was able to, is like, it's kind of like, uh, I thought of this earlier and I couldn't think of the right way to put it, but it's, they have like a, a break, but don't bend defense. Like they, they don't really <laughs> give up a lot, but the, when they, when they do the floodgates are open. So is that Cody, is it as simple as that? Did they just get the, the phrasing wrong on that? Are they preaching a break, but don't bend defense? And yeah. Just... <laughs> There's some confusion across the Somebody board. Called words and the, the, what, the, the diction and everything just doesn't make the syntax. None of it makes sense. I tell you, <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's alarming when you see them play so well. For so many big portions of the break for, of the game, and then it just falls apart. I mean, they gave up 17 points for 38 and a half minutes yesterday, right? And then the week week one in Carolina, they gave up at one point. They were I don't know what it was, 16 or nine. I can't remember one point they they had only given up an X amount of points, and then everything just hits the fan all of a sudden. So at some point, it always come ahead one way or the other. You either have to get it all on the same page, and you become that quote unquote elite defense that we heard about all off season. Everybody's talking, oh, they're going to have this elite offense and this elite defense, and the offense just has to get by, and we're doing the exact opposite of that in the grand scheme of things right now on a very small sample size of only two games. But the offense has far outplayed the defense thus far. Jacoby's played lights out this week specifically. Nick Chubb and Hunt doing their thing. So it's just if you get all on the same page at one game, things are going to look pretty good. Well, I just don't know, know what's going to happen. You got to get it squared away, right, Fred? Because you know these teams, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, are scheming. You're coming in with Mitch Trubisky; he sucks. But you know that they are watching these, going, "Hey, if we need to, we're just throw a ball deep, guys. Let's just throw a ball deep and see if these guys over here forget to cover." Because that's the Browns' mo at this point, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I was in. We had a Zoom call today with those guys, and Grant Delpit looked lost. I mean, he's uh, he said four straight answers, um, communication error. That was his answer, and it's like, you know, I he he I was surprised he was made available because I got the idea he was the guilty party, yeah, and was was kind of like programmed to say the certain thing because it is just. Yeah, Mike Tomlin is going to put together a plan, and they, they're going to go right at the Browns' exposure, you know, and show them, look, these guys, they're soft. They don't finish games. That's two games in a row. They've given up four or five late plays and let teams off the hook. Their one miracle kick 
from being 0-2. I mean, you got to look at the Carolina game as kind of a miracle, you know, that they pulled that out. And so I think that's not going to be lost on Mike Tomlin, and and he's going to come in here fired up and have his team ready to play. And I like yeah. Kevin Stefanski, but they've got this even keel and one aspect, you got continuity. You got the same coaches, but there's no getting fired up. And it's almost like the players have taken on that personality. They're, they should be they should be so mad at what happened that they come out here and take it out on the Steelers Thursday night. They should just be so ready to go and get that out of them. But I get the idea. There's just, well, we'll just kind of. We'll see how it goes, you know. And Ooh, maybe you're and, wrong, though, Fred. You got me. You got me fired up there. You got me fired up a little bit. Maybe you're wrong. Well, maybe you're maybe wrong. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong group. But, I mean, you got I me. Yeah, play, go, Fred. Go talk to the Browns. I didn't even play the game, and I woke up with a pit in my stomach this morning, and I don't even know why. You know, I'm like, it is. I don't even my want deal. this coffee. I know. All right, Anthony, you got any more? What other numbers do you have oh, for us for numbers? I I don't have a number. I do have a victory lap, though. Oh, go. On. Uh, our our boy Donovan Peoples Jones. Oh. He had. He's I, back. He's yeah, back. <laughs> my my rewind uh, topic last week for for the numbers with Anthony was that Donovan Peoples Jones had 11, 11 targets week one, um, but was not maybe not getting the kind of separation we were hoping for. Um, mm. The same same Donovan Peoples Jones unfortunately came back uh, this week. That we saw a lot of last year, uh, one one target would have been a fantastic catch in the end zone had he had he been able to pull that down. Yeah. But um, you know he was he was abysmal, which um, you don't you don't need these eleven target games out of him, but you need something in between the one target and eleven targets. So so you know I'm hoping to see him contribute a little more on Thursday. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, you did see uh, just some work out of Amari Cooper yesterday. That guy was everywhere doing everything offensively. Uh, none of the other receivers. I mean, you had some guys that had decent games. Harrison Bryant with a couple good catches there in the middle of the game. Uh, but, man, Amari Cooper, that's why you brought that guy in, man. Just caught everything thrown his way. Uh, all right, Anthony, thank you for the numbers. I'm going to try to get us back on track a little bit on the time as we continue this one. But numbers with Anthony, we appreciate that. A, a look on on offense and, or defense, and then we can, we can talk about Donovan. Jones at some point but we are going to switch to the offense because an interesting development happened today boys that I'm not sure I saw coming people are out here blaming Nick Chubb for the loss people listen if you're in these comments and you're blaming Nick Chubb for the loss we got to talk we got to talk people are blaming Nick Chubb for the loss like he should have slid at the two-yard line which fine if he did do that do their chances to win go up yes they do but you're up one score and you take it to a two-score game with less than two minutes left. What are we mad about? We, I, I have people out there, Cody. I have people out there saying that loss is on Nick Chubb. You're going to blame the guy that scores three touchdowns in a game and then blame the guy when the team's up 13 points with a minute and a half left that it's his fault. Right. So I, I get the whole the point of view and, and the common sense people to say he should have stepped out. Okay, sure. I'll have that conversation with you. Absolutely. The clock could have run out. Uh, the team would have probably won the game. You can also say Cade York makes his extra point, okay? The game's tied. The Jets don't go for two, that kind of thing. But the last person that should be have their finger pointed in their direction is Nick Chubb yesterday or pretty much any week uh, across the board. If you pointed at defense and special teams, I'm on board with you. If you pointed at Nick Chubb, you guys start watching football a different way. I don't know what to tell you. That's my take. I mean, listen. We've been through this a million times. I know we want to blame everybody. We want to blame everybody. When the Browns lose a game like that, you want to blame everybody. But Fred, it's about the most absurd thing. I, I, you got you had national media guys criticizing Nick Chubb for not going down there. Is there yeah. any sense to that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't on my radar. Um, where where this all came from? Jets players were saying after the game they couldn't believe the that he did that he scored they were letting him go and they thought he was going to because Salah told the team this is the only opportunity we have to win the game because they have a first down they kneel it's over they they can't even get the ball back so he was saying let him score we have 
we at least get the ball back and a chance if we do score to get and what happened. And so that's where it all came from. And then I started thinking, oh yeah, I, I didn't even realize that. Stefanski today, it was in our talk, didn't say that's absurd. He said, yeah, I did not tell Jacoby Brissett in the headset to tell the offense to not score if they got the first down. But there was a, I mean, the first down was like on the two or one. I mean, you got to really stop quickly because if you don't get the first down, then, you know, then they're going to get the ball back. So it's like, yeah, I cannot, you cannot blame Chubb for that. Everybody and their brother, you know, says when it's 99.9%, if you go up by two touchdowns, you take the touchdown. But with that said, that's where it came from. The Jets players were told by their coach during a timeout, that's our only chance to get the ball back. I mean, yeah, listen, the the, the perspective makes sense. Because they're, they're, they're not wrong. Nick Chubb goes to a knee there, gets the first down. Browns have the ball. Jets aren't stopping the clock. They're not wrong. But but to come out in like a, a, like a fashion, Anthony, to like blame Nick Chubb, it doesn't yeah. make – listen – you also don't know what's going to happen there. Nick Chubb goes down and pops his ankle out of its place, uh, trying to slide at the one-yard line because that's kind of a thin place to go. Now we're all screaming about the fact that he did that. The fact of the matter is, right, Anthony? Like, you just went up two scores against an offense that you were able to control a lot of the game, at least keep him out of the end zone for most of the game. You're you're counting on your defensive players with two scores and less than two minutes left to win you the game. Yeah, Mike, I'm I'm really plugged into this stuff. I, I really enjoy these end-of-game type scenarios, and um, I would be the first to say he should have gone out of bounds if I thought that that was really a feasible option. I think the way that the play kind of played out, it was going to be really hard for him to, to, like, to, to give himself up without them giving him the touchdown because you need to get the first down, first of all, for to get into the scenario where it's like three knees, game over. Um, you know, I – when, when the play first happened, I, it was in the back of my mind as it always kind of is, you know, is this a plus EV move to score here? But also like, it's not a, it's not an ideal place to go down. I think a lot of folks compared it, a lot of folks that I heard compared it to this, the the Texans game uh, in 2020 when Chubb broke a 70 yard run and ran out of bounds. Um, I I think that was really different. The Browns had a timeout going into that play uh, certainly had a chance to talk it over whether or not you go out because they were up by three at that point. If they had scored, you know, it, it's plausible the Texans could have come back. Um, but in this case, I think it, I mean, they win if Chubb goes out of bounds and I would be all for him going out of bounds there. I think it's really on Stefanski, AVP, and, and Brissett for not not hooking Nick Chubb up for that information. He shouldn't have to do math in his head to figure out that the Jets don't have a timeout and we can burn 40 seconds of play and there's only two minutes left. To to, it's not on Chubb at all, really. I mean, it's it's frankly silly for people to say that he he can't that can't fall to him. He, right. he scored a touchdown. Touchdowns a fine play. You don't <laughs> expect to blow that lead. So. Touchdowns are good plays. I'm going to mark that down. Anthony said yeah. so when he's yes. good with the, the analytics are very much in support of touchdowns as good plays. Anthony's good the analytics, that. as Aikman says, the analytics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fred, let's go to the offense for our next uh, our next topic because the offense. Looked pretty good. I mean, to be real honest with you, even after the Jets took the lead, I had this feeling that they were going to march their way down the field, and they started to do that. Uh, Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good in the game. The running game, no big, huge yards uh, running, but still, I want to say Chubb rushed for like five, 5.4 yards per carry or something like that. Uh, Kareem Hunt played pretty well. You had Amari Cooper, uh, a, a really good game. Uh, offensively, they moved the ball at will pretty much against the Jets team. Uh, That is, I mean, if we want to talk about positives, the Browns offense yesterday has to be on the list of positives, right? Yeah, they rushed for 184, just under 200, but 43 of that came from Jacoby Brissett, who isn't isn't Deshaun Watson or Josh Dobbs. He picked his points and was very effective there with, he had two, you know, 15, 21-yard runs. But he was 22 at 27. And think about that. Two of his first incomplete was a touchdown to Peoples Jones that he couldn't hang on to the ball. I mean, it would have been a great play. But I think he, I, from my angle, I don't know what they said on TV, but it looked like he bobbled it going out of bounds. So that's why it was incomplete. And Najoku didn't get his feet down today. He said that. So two of the five incompletions 
could have been touchdowns. So with that said, I mean, Brissett did everything that you possibly, he was the talk all last week. Can he win? You know, can, you know, it's this, we got to play on the special teams and rock solid defense. And those are the ones that let you down. The quarterback play, if he, in other words, if Watson would have played yesterday at his peak, it wouldn't have maybe, he might've put another touchdown up, might've been enough to win, but you, but there is nothing to find fault with, with Brissett, even that final interception, it was like, you got to get it in there. You got to get a completion or the game's over anyway. So whether it's intercepted, if, if, if there was nobody to get complete, I don't think you had time to, to get another play. There's six seconds to go. And so, you know, maybe, but still you would have been counting on another 60 yard field goal by your rookie to bail you out. I don't know. Cody, like I, again, I've said it since the beginning, this offense, I really, I like the game plan for the offense. I like that they are, we're just going to heavily feature Chubb and Hunt and we're just going to do this. And that's what they have done. Now you've got Amari Cooper that broke out, but Brissett uh, gave me a little bit more hope going into these games. I, again, I feel like the Browns are a team, even with Brissett, that can be putting up 27 points a game uh, in the absence of Deshaun Watson. And, and that's not bad. I think, I mean, you couldn't have, you can't ask for anything more than what he did yesterday with his skill set. That was the best game he could have played. And something that Fred said too, that I said yesterday in Slack was that I don't think that game's any different with Watson yesterday. He scored 30 points, scored on, on the majority of possessions. I'm not sure he makes a difference in that game with just the way things unfolded. But Brissett, that's the offense looks great right now with what they're doing. I know his A dot was like 4.8 or something yesterday. He's not pushing the ball downfield. But he doesn't have to. You got Chubb and Hunt. You can get in the screen game and Joku in screen game. You can get Cooper on slants and and posts and outs and whatever. And it's just the game plan offense was great yesterday. Yes, the Jets' pass defense isn't great. Carolina's defense isn't great. But it doesn't matter that they've performed when they needed to. It's just been the fault of the defense um, thus far and special teams thus far for the season. With Jacoby yesterday, as of right now, I think he's first in CPO CPOE and second in EPA for the week. I, I know it's a very small sample size, one game, but he played lights out yesterday. He should be very proud of the way he performed. Oh, man, if if, if Anthony's the graph master, you are the letter man uh, with, with those. You're just hitting us with the letters, all all the acronyms. Anthony knows those letters, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better believe it. Uh, one thing I will say, and Anthony, uh, I've seen this several times show up in the comments on Twitter and everything. Big ol' not here. I hate to call you out because I disagree with you, man, but one 58-yard missed field goal away from being 0-2. You're also one random, perfect onside kick away from being 2-0. You can't do that. You can't You can't be playing that game. There were plenty of years where Tom Brady and the Patriots were just three plays away from losing three more games, right? Like, you can't be doing that. If you win the game, you win the game. If you lose the game, you lose the game, right? Yeah, in, in some ways, I think it does help, you know, for for the for the future understanding of how strong your team is. Uh, you use use the things that are going to carry with you the most for the next game and 58 yard field goals and weird onside kicks and team scoring two touchdowns in a minute. That doesn't stick as well as the things like the defense played pretty well for large portions of the game. I think that for the most part, we will see more of the defense we saw for the first 58 minutes, which was good, not great, and less of the defense that imploded in the last minute in, in 22 seconds. Let's talk about the last topic we have. Well, the last topic before we talk about next week, just for a minute, special teams, guys, blundering their way through this season, whether it's just having absolutely no faith in people's ability to catch the ball out there, or whether it's, uh, you know, you got it. You got to give Cade York the missed extra point on this one. I'm not going to shade him too much on that. He's going to miss a couple kicks here and there. But uh, ultimately, then letting the Jets come out. First of all, I don't think the kick coverage was very good at all in the game. You saw Berrios take a couple kick, uh, kick or punt returns, pretty good returns. But that extra, or that onside kick, that's what a lot of people are going to talk about, right? Just uh, that ball seemed to roll around out there for a long time. Uh, and you saw Amari Cooper, you saw JOK go block the the lead guy on the kick return team. You saw Amari Cooper try to swat the ball out of bounds, but in the end, there were like three Jets around and just Amari Cooper. Uh, 
and the Jets recovered. I mean, guys, what's going on? Uh, Anthony, what's going on with the special teams unit? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the Browns special teams unit definitely got outplayed uh, this week. But I think you got to give your flowers to the, the, the Jets special teams first. Uh, they, they played fantastically well on all special teams. That fake punt was beautiful. Um, you know, the Browns obviously should have played better. I think the onside kick is really the most criticizable. But um, at the end of the day, like that was a kick that it, he was lined up to kick it right and then kick the offside of the ball and made it go left. And it was perfect. I think, you know, Cooper and JOK could have played that better. You like my understanding, my what I can remember from high school football, you have you have a layer of guys that, that goes and blocks somebody and then you have people that recover it after. Um, it I'm sure that they could have they could have schemed it up better to give to give Cooper a better chance or gotten a sense of what the Jets are probably going to do. But at the end of the day, I feel like Jets Jets players are pros too. they look really good on special teams. The Browns got outplayed, but I don't know what you do. Uh, Fred. Should Mike Prefer be on the hot seat a little bit? I think so, a little. I mean, these things are continually happening. I'll give you a little anecdote. Brant Boyer's the special teams coordinator for the Jets. He was he played linebacker and special teams for the Browns. He he became a good friend of mine, and I, you know, I I've been on hunting trips with him. He wanted the job bad when they hired Prefer, and so he's toiled away there with the Jets. But wow. They had a fake punt, smoked the Browns. They they had the onside kick. It's like 14% chance to get that in the NFL. They got that as well as, you know, like you said, the returns of Barrios and so forth. So I think he's he he really outmatched, you know, Prefer yesterday and the, the Jets special teams. And and so and they don't forget they, they had a 57 yard field goal, or they wouldn't have been in position to win the game anyway. Right. I mean, that that we've made a big deal out of the 58 by York. Zerline hit it from 57, you know, to tie it up at 17-17. So they were pretty much hitting on all cylinders on their special teams, and that propelled them to the win, really. How much of it, Cody, is preparation? We talked about this a lot in the Slack channel today. I, I, I was working, but you guys talked about it a lot in the Slack channel today that I wanted to be a part of. I just couldn't jump in, but... Go back to that. I didn't even bring up the punt. Forgot about the fake punt, to be honest with you, because you're going to have that happen every once in a while. But there's something that happened there that you guys were all calling out that could have been a signal that they should have been watching for that fake punt, and it didn't seem like they reacted to it. Yeah, I think I, in, in practice, you prepare for all of these situations, and you try to be aware of all the personnel that's going to be on the field. I, I can't remember the exact um, figure. I don't know if Anthony has it in front of him, but the, the guy – who caught the fake punt? Jeff Smith. Jeff, Jeff Smith. Smith. How do you not was remember only that? Only on one snap last week. Is that correct? He was only in punt he, on one snap. Is when they attempted to fake. He played one snap as a gunner, and they they didn't end up doing the fake, but they it, they were probably thinking about it. But he, so he to the, be fair, he did play two more snaps as a gunner later in the game against the Browns. I doubt they were going to run the fake again, but. He's probably somebody who's in the gunner rotation anyway. Yeah, so it might, it might have been a big nothing, but it's one of those things situational. You have to be aware if there's somebody that is lined up at a certain position that he shouldn't be. I mean, all the way back in high school, we used to do that. If the field goal unit lined up with the holder that was outside of the normal, well, you know something's coming. Either that guy's hurt right. or they're going to try a fake here. That's just common sense. That may not have happened yesterday. I think we were kind of going through the evaluation of who's typically in and who's typically out for the Jets on punt coverage, but – Regardless, you got to be prepared for that type of thing. When it kudos to the Jets yesterday because they came out with through everything. The kitchen sink was thrown at the Browns yesterday. You know, fake punts and, and these and getting the receivers the ball, which is normal, but just end arounds and reverses and all kinds of stuff. Whatever they could get to get yards is what they would do. They did whatever it took to win that game, and it all just went perfectly for their way at the end of the game there. So, um, but yeah, I think Prefer is. That seat's getting a little warm. I, I know. I think he's friends. Like those, all those coaching staff guys are friends. But you have to separate friendship from professional at some point. And I, it's not going to be this week. You know, it's we're almost Tuesday already. Right. We're going to fire some guy Tuesday morning and bring somebody up to coach on Thursday. But if things don't go better quickly, 
for special teams and defense, there's going to be somebody, even if it's not a coordinator, it could be a position type coach that might lose their spot at some point if things don't go well. All right, boys. So let's finish it up with this. Browns, Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Cleveland Browns Stadium. I will say the place was rocking. I'm hoping there isn't a hangover from Sunday's game into Thursday because I'll tell you what, I went to Thursday night's game last year against the Denver Broncos. It was electric down in that stadium. I hope the atmosphere is the same. Best game of the season. It was amazing. In person. Yeah. I hope the atmosphere is the exact same. Fred, I'm going to throw it up to you. The Steelers coming in, not looking good. One of the worst offenses so far in the NFL. Um, But it's the Steelers. It's the Steelers. And and as much as we want to say they don't look so great, until they don't look great against the Browns, you can't really count on anything. So the Steelers coming in, what's your key for the Browns? What is the one area where you want to see the Browns uh, or you think the Browns can improve in a short amount of time from Sunday to come in and get a win over Pittsburgh? Well, if they can just play offensively like they did, you know, Sunday, I think they can they can outscore the Steelers. They, the biggest thing going for the for the Browns is there's no Ben Roethlisberger who had more wins in first energy than any other quarterback. I think until Mayfield might have passed him, and T.J. Watt. That's a huge loss yeah. for them. And so I just think the defense, the good thing is on the short week, they can forget it and they're going to play right away. And I think with all the attention, I think the defense, I'm, I'm not expecting a lockdown performance, but hopefully they'll have the pride and the vim and vinegar to come out there and just tighten up and take away the outside, the Deontay Johnson's and, and show some pride show that you can shut down those outside receivers. And you know what, Fred, I, I love what you just did there because if the Browns come out and dominate defensively in this game, that's, that's called the pride piss and vinegar game. And that's Fred Greetham that coined it. And I want everybody to give him credit. Anthony, what about you? What's the area you think they can turn around quickly in a short week uh, to come out and, and make us all forget about what happened on Sunday? Yeah, I, I think it has to be, you know, some of these blown coverages, it, it hurts to see so many blown coverages so close together in these last two weeks. It feels like they could really simplify the scheme, make sure everybody's on the same page and, and just run simpler stuff, but avoid, you know, uh, the, the kind of miscommunications that have, have plagued them early in the season. But I think Fred hit it right on the net, right the nail right on the head where, uh, you know, it probably benefits them to come off a game where, you know, something so bad happened and, and they'll be right back on the field on Thursday. Cody, what's an area? Uh, it's your hometown, Pittsburgh Steelers. It's your home. It's Yin's hometown Steelers. Cody's uh, favorite team. <laughs> favorite team, what's, not hometown. I live here, not hometown, well, that's, that's but I live here. I haven't lived here for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, what's what's one area about the Steelers that makes you nervous uh, going into this game, and what's where one area where you feel real comfortable? Nervous is just the exact same thing we saw with the Jets. I'm not going to talk about coverages, specifically about busted coverages, but just they have a talented group of receivers, and they have a talented running back that can catch the football too. So if you let Mitch Trubisky stand back there and look like Flacco, like 1987 Joe Montana from last week, there's going to be a problem. So so I want to see them just bring – the pressure rate is high. The Browns do have a very high pressure rate. It's just converting those pressures to sacks – and also bring in some blitzes. Bring JOK. Bring Delpit. Bring some corner blitzes and just keep him uncomfortable. He's not a good quarterback, but the Browns can make bad quarterbacks look good. We've seen it too many times. You can't let that happen this week or you will lose that game. Even if the offense does score 24, all of a sudden the Steelers are out there scoring 30, you know, if things aren't taken care of. So that, that's my big thing. The biggest worry is their receiver group, the most thing I'm comfortable with. I think is I think it's the, the Browns offense at this point. I mean, as odd as that is, I two the weeks to out, the script. Two weeks without, the script is flipped. They're without Watt. I mean, they still have Minka. Minka is a stud. He's doing Troy Polamalu type things in that secondary right now. But other than that, nobody really on their defense that scares me necessarily. I think that's a game breaker outside of him. So just keep moving, pushing the ball, get some points and, and God for God, somebody do something in the secondary. Get a turnover. Something. Somebody do, do something a thing. Keep the lights on a little bit back there. That's yeah. all I got to say. Listen, I, the record probably really does suck in the scheme of things, but I feel like the Browns have been pretty decent on Thursday night games. Again, 
probably not compared to other teams, but like if you compare their Sunday record to their Thursday record over the past 20 years, I think the Thursday one's better. So we're going to roll with that. Uh, but listen, Pittsburgh. Reckless speculation. Wreck, absolute horrible speculation on my part. Listen, just make it rocking, guys. If you're going to the game, forget about Sunday. We got to move on past it because, listen, all it's going to take is one game where they beat a team you don't, you know, they walk into that Tampa Bay game and they beat Tom Brady and the Bucks, and you forget about the Jets game. So there's nothing gone at this point. There's nothing lost at this point. We're going into week three of the season, and it's a kick rear end Thursday night atmosphere in the dog pound. They got fun stuff going on down there. Uh, so the place should be rocking. So an awful week, an awful ending to the week, but still positives to take away from this Jets game, especially offensively. Hopefully they can get the defense turned around and, uh, and, and get a win over Pittsburgh. That's going to do it for us tonight. Listen, stay tuned to the OBR socials for the schedule for this week, because the Thursday night game throws off the whole schedule. So make sure you are tuned in, but you know, we're going to have shows tomorrow. Uh, we do have garage beers tomorrow night. We're going to talk Browns there, but we also, uh, Paul Keels, the legendary voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, joins us on Garage Beers tomorrow night. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. Paul Keels is awesome. You want to hear that. Uh, Fred and Barry, I think you guys are doing your thing Wednesday, but then Thursday we'll have our pregame, we'll have our postgame, and we'll have the the, the playback uh, with Jake on Thursday night. So you want to make sure you are tuned in to all that. Guys, this has been awesome. Uh, Fred Greetham, follow him online at Fred Greetham 9. Follow Anthony Reinhardt at Reinhardt NFL. And follow Cody Sook at Cody Sook online. Guys, it's been fun. Sorry the game wasn't as fun, but let's uh, let's hope next Monday's rewind's a little better, all right? All right, everybody, thanks for joining us live, and we'll catch you later on the OBR. See you.